Well, good morning, One Church. Thank you so much for joining us on Facebook Live this morning. Like Pastor Kevin just said, if we have not had a chance to meet yet, my name is Andy Peters, and I am the Next Generation Pastor here at One Church. And for those of you who don't know what Next Generation means, that is all that is is I get the opportunity to lead students, to love on students, and to guide students from fifth grade all the way up through their senior year in high school, and it is an amazing opportunity. I love what I do here, and um, shout out to my next-gen students. I love you guys. Thank you guys for tuning in today. Um, before we get into the message, I just want to give you a little bit of background on me. I am 30 years old, and the students of our next-gen ministry love to remind me that I am 30 years old, and they always tease me and tell me that I have gray hair, but I think they confuse gray with great, because I believe I have great hair. So um, for those of you who don't know that communication error, that's, that's where we are. Um, but uh, I am married to a beautiful woman named Beth Peters, and she is actually our children's director at our Medina campus, and we have a beautiful, handsome, young two-year-old boy um, together, and that's him. He's two. He runs my entire life. Absolutely runs my life. It's crazy how someone so small can, uh, can have such a big influence in my life. And before we get into this message today, I just want to give honor and to give um, love to our lead and executive pastors and Pastor Rick and Pastor Brian who, who lead our church, lead our communities, and lead our staff um, with, with such humility and such grace. And we thank you guys so much from the bottom of our hearts for, for what you do for us, and uh, we feel your love every single week, every, every opportunity that we get. So thank you guys for everything that you guys do. So here we go. Buckle up. I am a 10 out of 10 speaker. If I go 5 out of 10 on the energy scale, I won't be authentic and I won't be me. So here we go. 10 out of 10. We are in a series called Woven relationships that last. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about communication and, and problem solving. And the message I'm going to bring to you today is on friendships. Today, we are going to be talking about friendships. And, and as I was thinking about this topic, um, I, I think it's a broad topic, but I'm going to try to break it down for you today in a way that maybe you've never heard of before. Or maybe in a light, a different light that you've never seen it before. But when I talk, when I think about friendships, and in my life, and growing up in public schools and playing public sports, I've come across a lot of different people, and I came to three truths about friendships. I came to three truths about friendships, and the first one is this: everyone needs friends around them. Right where you are today, can you just type that in the comments? Just say, "I need friends." Everyone needs friends around them. Let me prove it to you. So in Ecclesiastes 4.9, it says, For two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either one of them falls, one can help the other up. But pity on anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. And it goes on to say later in the verse that though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And we hear this verse a lot in times in marriage ceremonies, or maybe you've heard that in a marriage context, but have we ever heard about that verse in a friendship context? Like how many of us are listening to this right now are putting a lot of energy and effort forward in a relationship or in a friendship, but we're not getting the same return? That's a common theme in society today, and for me, that's a red flag in my life. If I am exerting so much energy into a friendship, but it's not being returned to me, I may need to reevaluate their place 
in my life. And just know you were never made to walk this road alone. This life was never created for you to be alone. That's why friendships are so important and they carry such high value. And that's why we as a church, we push small groups because that is where community is found. That is where life is found, is in our small groups where we can talk and we can open up. Everyone needs friends around them. And I believe that God gives us so many gifts to use in this life, and I believe friendships is a gift that God uses us to, to, to use. And how many of us have ever called someone that just needed an encouraging word, or you just needed to vent to someone? That is why we need friends around us. Second truth about friendships, we're going to move fast today, but the second truth about friendships is this. Everyone needs friends around them. However, everyone around you may not be your friend. Everyone needs friends around them. However, everyone around you may not always be your friend. Like, I think we have dumbed down the word friend, and, and everybody and everybody can be a friend. And I bet, I'd be willing to bet that there may be some people in your life that are considered friends, but you may not even know their last name. And in a sense, what we're doing is we're choosing our friends like we did in elementary school. Think about it. How did you make friends in elementary school? Hey, Pastor Kev, you like swings? Yeah, love swings. Sweet. Want to be friends? Right? So what does that translate to in your life? Hey, we work together. Want to be friends? So my question for you to think about today is how many friends are in your circle, friends with you based off of proximity or the time that you spend with them? Like you work next to someone for 8 to 12 hours a day or you go to the same college as them or you play on the same sports team as them and now you're friends. And please, don't take any of this the wrong way. I'm just saying in my life, I had to make some more requirements for people to gain access into my life. And before I took the job of youth pastor at one church here, I worked at a factory and I was there for about four and a half years and I was a forklift driver. And um, over those years, I began to develop some relationships with people and only because of the time that I spent with them. And one of the guys that I worked with for eight to 12 hours a day, it was just me and him. He actually trained me. He was a vet of the place, 30 plus years. And he was a blue collar dude, just super hard working. And it was his way or the highway. But he started giving me advice on how to do things. And it all started with something very little and very subtle. It started with, hey, you should load the trailer like this. So I listened and I applied. And then it turned into, well, you got this thing going on at your house that you need to fix up. Well, you should do it like this. So any house projects, he gave me advice and I listened and I applied. And then finally, after years of working there, this came into my marriage. I started speaking to my wife like he spoke to his wife. I started treating my wife like he treated his wife. And it finally came to the point where my wife had to tell me, Andy, working there has changed you and it's not for the better. And that shook me to my core because I allowed someone who I thought was my friend to come in and interrupt the most intimate area of my life, all because of the time that I spent with him. And, and as I was preparing this message, I, I, I started thinking about the three different types of people that we come across in our life. And I believe we come across these three types of people in our lives. So I'm a visual learner, and I have a little graph for you today because this is how I learn. I hope this is okay for you. But this is called the circle of relationships. And so the first group of people that we will encounter in our life 
are fans. The first group of people that we encounter in our life are fans. So fans live on the outer circle of our lives, and, and we're all fans. We're all fans of something. We're fans of musical artists. We're fans of sports teams. Fans are important. It's important to have fans in your life, but fans like you for what you can do or what you can produce for them. So in a sense, if you're good at sports, they like you because you're good at sports, and that's the trouble with fans is that they're only there for you for what you can produce. So think about it like this. Who has ever heard of the quarterback, Drew Bledsoe? Well, Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback of the Patriots before Tom Brady. Yes, there was a quarterback before Tom Brady. Thank God he is not in the AFC East anymore. Go Bills. Just had to get that out of my system. Um, Anyways, but Drew Bledsoe was a solid quarterback. He had pretty decent stats, and he held his own. But one day he got hurt, and then out comes this young buck, Tom Brady. And I'd be willing to bet that the Drew Bledsoe fans quickly moved their attention to Tom Brady. Why? Because the Patriot fans saw that Brady was producing championship after championship to the city of Boston for the past 20 years, which was something Bledsoe couldn't do. So the, the answer to, to the fans in our life is to not cut them out. It's just, a, just to recognize their category in our lives, right? So we have fans. Next group, we come across our followers, right? Followers are in the middle circle. They're different than fans. They're closer to you, right? Jesus had followers. He said, come follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And, and followers will see something in you, and that's why they follow you. They see something in you that draws you to them. And they see that you're striving toward your purpose in life, and they have some influence in our lives. But the thing that I've found with followers in my life is this. They won't always see things the way you see them. Followers won't always see things the way you see them. Let me explain. The easiest way to tell if someone is a follower in your life, share your dreams with them, share your opinions with them, and watch their response you will very quickly tell who is for you or who cares about your dreams. So what happens is if you have those people who are really close to you and influencing the most intimate areas of your life in a big way, you will find yourself trying to prove yourself to them. Now you're walking in the purpose that they have for you and not God's purpose for your life. So what does this look like for you? Maybe after this quarantine is over, I'm going to start serving on the worship team. Or I'm going to start serving on the coffee team. Or I'm going to help Pastor Andy downstairs with the middle schoolers because he needs help. Throwing that out there. (laughs) Right? Followers won't always see things the way you see them. If their response is, well, why would you do that? Football's on. You You might miss kickoff, dude. Followers won't see things the way you see them. So we have fans, we have followers, and the last group we have are friends. Right? Friends live in the most intimate areas of our life. These are the people that we have influencing our husbands, our wives, our children, our brothers, our sisters. And this is where we want our close friends to live and to influence our lives. And in my life, I've learned that I need a friend who can get down into the dirt with me. So that when I am at my all-time lowest, they can stand me up and they can stand with me and they can pray for me. I need the type of friend in my life that can look into my eyes and say, bro, you don't even have to say a word. Father, I thank you for my brother. I know he's going through a tough season right now, God, but I pray that your peace would be upon him. I need a friend who can go to God for me when I don't have the words to say. I need a friend who can go to God for me when I don't have the words to say. We all 
need friends. And here's the crazy thing. Like in society today, we're the type of people who say, well, if they benefit us any, we'll keep them around. Even if most of what they do is toxic. Like how many of you have friends that you low-key don't like, but you keep them around because you share a common interest? Come on. Let's be honest, right? Like, I know, I know Larry is a loud drunk and he doesn't treat his wife and children very well, but he's got that 80-inch plasma TV in the man cave and we could watch football on. I know. But I think Paul said it right in 1 Corinthians 15.33 when he says, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. So let's break that down. What does that mean? That means you won't be the person who affects change they will infect you. And that hit me hard because that was me. I thought I was the guy who could go into a situation and push my good Christian values into the locker room or to my place of employment. But can I tell you the exact opposite happened? I was the one being influenced. I became infected with what they wanted me to look like and act like and sound like. And I believe we can all find common ground with this statement that I have people in my life that I need to let go of, but I don't know how. And that's the tough part about this. If you are in a messy friendship right now, just know you are not alone. Everybody goes through messy relationships, and the answer is to not throw them to the curb. The answer is to just recognize their place in our lives. Do you have fans influencing the most intimate areas of your life, in your marriage, and in your children? The third and the final truth about friendships is this. Your identity in Jesus matters in friendships. Your identity in Jesus matters in friendships. If you don't know who you are or don't know who God says that you are, we cannot walk in the purpose that he has for us. And that is the basis of making relationships last. Knowing your identity does not come from money. It does not come from your friend group. It comes from Jesus and Jesus alone. And in John 1.12, it says, But to all who have received him, those who believe in his name, he has given the right to become God's children. Who God says you are is important. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. And when we talk about sonship and daughtership, I think this truth gets lost a lot of times. And and this is the best way that I can illustrate what identity looks like for you today. When my son was born, there was a bunch of, of craziness going on. There was five doctors in the room. And I'm standing back watching this, this all take place. And there was that moment where my wife was handed our moments old baby. And I, stand, I stood back and I, I just started to cry because it was one of the most beautiful things that I've ever seen in my entire life. She started speaking to this little boy and she just started speaking life and love into him, saying, we love you so much. Mommy and daddy have prayed so long for you. We're so proud of you. You are so special. And as I stood back and I watched this, it was so beautiful for me to see because she was just so enthralled with him. And as I sat there and I watched her just be overcome with emotion, all I could think of was this verse. Because Jace has not done anything to earn our love at all. He hasn't done a single thing. He is moments old. And at this point, he is costing us some money, a lot of it, right? But it doesn't matter. Why? Because our love for him 
far outweighed the price. Our love for him far outweighed the price. And that is how God, your father, sees you today, son, daughter. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to earn it. There's nothing you can do to make your heavenly father love you more than he already does. And that's why when we talk about the power of relationships, knowing who you are and what you're here for has value. Because what happens when you don't know who you are, people and relationships will come and go out of your life and they will shape you. I have made it a point in my life to not let a fan or a follower influence the most intimate areas of my life. A fan is not going to influence my marriage anymore. And if our job is to decipher who is our friend, the power is in your hands to determine which friends get the opportunity to shape you. So I have one question for you today, and it all comes down to this. Are your friends helping you find your identity in Jesus? Or are your friends defining it for you? Are your friends helping you find your identity in Jesus, or are they defining it for you? So today, we're going to do things a little bit different. We're going to end with worship, and we're going to sing a song called, Who You Say I Am. And so for the next three minutes, can we just stay here and listen to the words and the truths of who God says that we are, that we are sons and we are daughters of God. Maybe you've never heard this song before, or maybe you've heard it a thousand times. But today, for the next three minutes, can you just let those words just infiltrate your life in your heart? Can we just refocus our identity and who God says that we are? Not what culture says, but what God says, who he says we are. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this series. We thank you that we are able to grow in our friendships. Father, we thank you that you love us unconditionally and that we can rest in knowing that we are your sons and your daughters, that we don't have to earn a single thing, that you just love us and you accept us. God, you have shown us the greatest example of what a friendship should look like, and we just ask that you give us wisdom when it comes down to choosing our friends. We ask you that we may become more like you in our friendships. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.